Thank you, Shiju. Good morning, everyone. So nice to have some faces back here. And hello to everyone online. Give you a wave. I don't know why we do that. It's like a new Zoom thing, isn't it? You start talking to somebody online, there's an, there's an instinct to just wave for no good reason, either when you start a meeting or leave a meeting. Anyway, there we go. Um, I'm going to be continuing on in our series about how it is we can take care of our hearts, which is not only an important topic for us as Christians, but seems even more heightened off the back of coming out of lockdown and thinking about moving into a different uh, season of life, which I'm hoping you're all enjoying um, as we're unlocking bit by bit and getting sunburn after an odd kind of cold but hot day yesterday. Tim so helpfully kicked us off in our series last week as he spoke about searching our heart. And I don't know about you, but a message like that just hits home. Like, searching our heart, having a worship time like that this morning where we're on our knees saying, God, would you just search me? It's deep stuff, it's hard stuff. Like Tim said, heart work is hard work. And he did an incredible job of starting to to lay the foundation of what it is we're thinking about. And we're thinking about our hearts. And when you look across the span of the Bible, from the Old and New Testament, I want to draw on what Tim said about what our heart is. It's the essence of who we are. It's where our emotions meet our thoughts, meet our actions, meet our inmost being. That's what we're talking about today, when we're going to be talking about guarding our hearts. This word guarding conjures up all sorts of images for different people. And um, I know I've said from this stage before that I love American football. Don't know if there's any American football fans in the room, but I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, I'll just admit that. Better season next season with our new manager in. Um, but George and I, anyway, a few years ago, got to go to America, and we went to see the Seattle Seahawks play the Denver Broncos, and we went to the Seattle Seahawks Stadium. It's built in a very specific way. The bleachers are organized by some acoustic engineer, and it's built for noise. I left this game with a pounding headache because we'd been there for hours, and it went to extra time, which is unusual in American football, and man, is it noisy. The Seattle Seahawks have this funny team because you have your offensive team in American football, you have your defensive team, and you have your specials. But the reason American football is weird is... You cheer loudest if you're in the stadium when your defensive team are on. It's not like football. When, in football, when your team's got the ball, that's when you're shouting and screaming or when the ref's made an inappropriate decision, obviously. But in American football, it's all about shouting when the defensive team are on. To the extent that the Seattle Seahawks in this stadium have the 12th man. There's 11 players on their defensive team but they consider the crowd who are there to be their extra weapon, their extra man, and everyone shouting and screaming so the offensive team who are on can't hear what their quarterback's shouting. They can't hear the next play call being shouted, and they get confused. It causes fouls, it causes everything. It's brilliant. And that's what we're thinking about this morning when we're thinking about defense. We're going to be raising some noise for defense for once, rather than it all being about going on the offensive. We're going to be drawing from the book of Proverbs. It's one of three Old Testament books of wisdom. I love wisdom. I love these books. They're each unique. They each work and operate in their own kind of way. And Proverbs, we're going to be diving in at the start of Proverbs. It was written primarily by King Solomon. There's other people who contribute into the book. 
but we're going to be near the start and we're going to be privy to a letter that he writes to his son. So if you want to pay attention to anything, pay attention to this. Because he's writing to his son. He's condensing down this wise king who prayed to God and said, God, would you give me wisdom? And God went, hey, that's a great prayer. I'm going to bless you with more wisdom than anyone else who's alive at your time. To the extent kings and queens came to hear and draw from his wisdom. This guy's condensing his very best stuff down into a letter to his son. The son who will become next king. He wants to pass this on. And we get to jump into this letter and see what it is he's writing in Proverbs 4. We're going to focus in on verse 23. It's a verse loads of people will know. But we're going to read around that verse because it gives us some extra context. So we're going to read from Proverbs 4, verses 20 through to 27. And this morning, we're going to be focusing on verse 23. So Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. This is today's verse. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Keep your gaze fixed directly before you. Give careful thought to, your, to the path for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. And I'll read again today's verse, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We're going to look at at the what, the why, and the how of guarding our heart this morning. And we're going to start with the what. It doesn't necessarily take a particularly scholarly degree to figure this bit out. I like Proverbs. It's kind of simple. It's written for simple people like me. I like that. It's easy. What are we to do? We are to guard our hearts. That's the instruction King Solomon is throwing out here. It jumps off the page at you. But what is he saying when he's talking about guarding? Well, I want to use an analogy that somebody has used from not this exact stage, but when we used to meet years ago, a friend of ours, his dad, her, her dad came over from India and spoke on this very passage, and he spoke about a fort in India called Golconda Fort. You'll see a picture of it in a moment. It's down in the south region of India, and this fort is quite incredible. It's incredible because it holds the entrance to loads of diamond mines. So they fortified this area. Forts like that, important people lived on, and control of the area would have been from this kind of fort. They built it not only with the diamond mines in, but they built it knowing it would probably come under siege. So they put reservoirs in it. They had pipe systems so they could pump water in and out. Don't ask me how they did all this in the years it was built. I don't understand. But they fortified this thing, and lo and behold, in 1687, this thing came under siege. And it came under siege for eight months. I mean, like, lockdowns felt like long enough when we could, like, still go out to Tesco, could still go out for some daily exercise. This thing was under siege, day in, day out, different tactics being thrown at it, different weapons, lack of food, fresh water, for eight months this thing is under siege for. 
Until one day, this poor guy, Sarandes Khan, I apologize if I've mispronounced that, he's one of the guards there. He should be guarding. He should be guarding this fort, guarding the valuable thing. And he lets his guard down. He takes a bribe, and he shows them a secret passage. He throws open the gate and lets the enemy in. And this fort, which has been under siege for eight months, falls like that. The enemy's in there. The control of that region changes. The economics, all of that is taken on by the enemy because he let them in. That is what the word guard is meaning here. It's meaning to guard like a fortress, to put uh, a jail around, to take prisoner, take captive your heart. That's the language we see when we see this word repeated throughout the Old Testament. We are to guard it. We are to take this seriously. I hope you're kind of getting the heaviness of what's going on after this worship time this morning and us saying, God, search our hearts. This is serious business we're dealing with. And this is what Solomon is instructing his son to do. So we know what we're to do, but why on earth are we to guard our hearts? Again, it doesn't take the most scholarly degree to kind of delve through the psalm and go, okay, uh, Proverbs, sorry, and go, ah, guard your hearts for everything you does, everything you do flows from it. It's pretty clear. It's written there. So I want to take us to another place where this is repeated, and it's from the words of Jesus himself in Mark 7, verses 20 to 23. Why are we guarding our heart? What flows out of our hearts? Well, Jesus goes on to say, what comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. There's two ways I want to suggest we can see whether these things are in our hearts or not. And the first of these is kind of pinch points. So we can see why we need to guard our hearts when you're under pressure. And I think most people in here will know what I'm talking about. You know when you're either riding your bike or you're getting road rage driving and suddenly that person cuts you up or they pull out on you and you're... You're getting annoyed at them and whatever comes out of your heart. Well, it comes out of your mouth and that's because it's come out of your heart. There's those moments where we're exposed and you're like, where the heck did that come from? Personally, I find this in parenting often. I find that my kids know when to push my buttons, how to push my buttons, how to keep on pushing my buttons until eventually, bang, out something comes. And it's a heart attitude usually. Are they doing something in my house which is, which is wrecking a bit of my house? Well, what does that say about what's going in on my heart about how much I value material things? And I'm not talking about ignoring what my children do, by the way, and behaviours. That's not what I'm talking about. Or is it a behavior that's going on? I'm going, man, if they're 18 and they're still like this, and, uh, and it's fear of the future, there's stuff in my heart. That's why. That's why this response has suddenly popped out of me. It's in there, and it's finding a way out under a pressured moment. But it's not just pressured moments where we see why we need to be guarding our hearts. 
There's also just that slow kind of dripping, ebbing away, corrosive nature that Satan has, which plays into our hearts. And I mention these next guys not to drag them through the mud more, but because they're people you may well be aware of and we haven't spoken about from this stage. And that's people like Carl Lentz, an American pastor who recently was leading a mega church, a lot of celebrities there, and he had an affair. And it's wrecked a lot of the reputation of that church, let alone the name of Jesus. American media ran wild with that news story. It's horrid what's happened. And then Ravi Zacharias and the years of evangelistic ministry he has that we now know was underpinned by abuse all over the place, hideous levels of abuse, which make me so hurt and hurt God even more. And the reason I mention these guys is because none of us are um, devoid, none of us are free of the potential of that happening to us. I would hazard a guess that neither of them or other people who fall set out going, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I want to achieve. That's my goal. I imagine there's one or two malicious people, but most people are not like that. What's happened is they've let their guard down. They've stopped guarding their heart. They haven't necessarily flung the gate open, although at some point they have, but they've left it open just a little bit, and stuff's crept in, crept in, crept in, crept in, and then it happens. It is serious stuff. And like I said, that is why we are to guard our hearts. Jesus says, guard it. It's out of there that this stuff is coming. But how are we to guard it? Well, the reason we read around this verse is it gives us some more context. Solomon's fantastic. He loves to pour his wisdom out to us through the book of Proverbs. And I want to pick up from verse 24 again, because I see a little pattern here. And it's a pattern that I see as well as in the Bible just happening in life as I see people walking through journeys of battling with things. So let's read verse 24. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight before you. Fix your gaze before you. We see quite a practical instruction. There's this practical thinking going on here. He's giving, saying, watch what you're saying and think about where you're looking. There's kind of this practical language that's going on. And then in verse 26, it flips a bit. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or left. Keep your foot from evil. He's not literally saying feet do evil things unless you're playing football. He's saying, he's using, he's flipped to kind of this metaphorical, slightly almost spiritual language. And that's the pattern I want us to think about this morning. I want us to think, well, how do we guard our hearts? We think practically and we think spiritually. And these are both sides of the coin that will help us guard our hearts. I want to use an example to help illustrate this. Take the example of pornography, something which has probably risen difficulties with this during lockdown. If you're only thinking over here in the practical realm, then you're dealing in behavior modification. That's not what Jesus is about. (laughs) Behavior modification is not what Jesus is about. 
But equally, if you're over here and you're only praying and you're only thinking, I'm just going to deal with this through prayer, only prayer, only prayer, only prayer. Well, we live in a practical, physical world and God isn't naive to that fact. And actually, we ignore the other to the detriment of the other. So do we need some physical helps to help us get over an addictive thing like pornography? Absolutely. We need to be putting software on our computers, on our phones, on our tablets. We need to be accountable to friends around us um, as we journey that path. But we also need to be thinking about the heart issue. We need to be thinking spiritually. We need to be praying about this. God, why is it in my heart that I think I'm entitled to some instant gratification without a lifelong covenant relationship to my spouse? What is going on in my heart? We need both these things in order to overcome these sorts of things. And I want to keep talking about other things. If, you've, if you're a parent in here, so we're going to take these principles, sorry, and we're going to apply them again. That's one example there, because I can't talk into every situation that people are facing. So we're going to talk about a few different things. If you're a parent in here, if you're a teacher, if you are an aunt and uncle, if you're a nanny, if you ever are sat with kids and they're watching a screen, let me encourage you to think about what's coming at them. I'm a parent, and I've been shocked by how little of this I've done in the past and how much I'm starting to do this now. My kids love Frozen. Any Frozen fans in here? Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a low rumble. I know, I know. There's some secret Frozen fans. Frozen 2. I went to the cinema to watch it with my kids. I'd seen it a few times. They love watching it. And there's this song. It's about a princess. She's on a voyage. She can hear this, this noise. Where's it coming from? She's on her quest to find it. And the song goes, You are the one I've been waiting for all of my life. She's on her quest to find this thing. Thanks, round of applause. Look at this. It's not bad, is it? She's on her quest to find this thing. She journeys through forests. You know, it all goes on. It all goes on. And she gets, you get to this pinnacle moment where she's down in the cave and, and everything's going on. These memories are flashing before her. And the melody comes back. And all the words are the same, bar one. It switches. And I didn't notice this for weeks. It came out on Disney+. Plus. Our kids had been watching it. I'd sat and watched it with them. And suddenly I was like, oh, my word, I'd never noticed that. I'm sure the brighter folk among us have, because it's the whole pinnacle of the film. But the message turns to this. I am the one I've been waiting for all of my life. That is like this self-actualization message that society pumps at us. Moana, another cracking film with a great soundtrack. What's the pinnacle of this soundtrack? This warrior young princess who goes across the seas, deals with demigods. I am Moana. That is the pinnacle of that score and that soundtrack. It's all about her. And this is what my kids are being told through TV. It's all about them. Be the best you you can be. Search inside yourself and you will find all of the answers. And it's like, right, let's take these principles. There's a practical decision to be made here. Solomon says, get practical. Let your eyes look one way. Make sure you're thinking practically. Are my kids going to watch this? As an elder here, I wouldn't be, if you turned around and said, I don't want my kids to watch this, I wouldn't be saying that's an unwise decision. I can see some merit in that. 
That's not the decision we've made in our household. We've decided to let our kids watch it. But the practical decision then is, as a parent, I need to take responsibility for educating my children about the narrative that is coming at them and how to guard their hearts, knowing what truth to replace it with. Because then the spiritual side becomes, you are not the one you've been searching for all your life. Jesus Christ is the one you have been searching for. He is the one who will give you the answers. You will become the best you you can be once you become like Christ, once you look to Christ, once you give your life to him, surrender your life to him, and you will find the answers you are looking for, not from inside, Not that anxiety-provoking state where you're like, I need to be the best me, and I'm anxious because of it. No, I look to Christ. I look to him. That is the loving message of God, of look to me, become like me, he says, and you will be the best you you can be because I will use you to glorify me. That is the message that I'm chatting about with my kids at the dinner table. There's loads of films I could go on about. The Lorax the environment, some of the good messages and bad messages in that. But I'm starting to engage my kids. Why? Because their hearts need guarding. So let me encourage you to do the same if you've got a little person in your life. And I also want to, though, mention another example. Um, It's got my timer on right now. But this, I would suggest, is probably the next biggest thing about guarding our hearts that we can think about. And I know there's different generations in this room, but I feel like most people have these these days. And it's our phone. It gives us avenue after avenue. Let me revisit Jesus' words to let these things in. What are the avenues coming to you which allow greed, malice, sexual immorality, arrogance, envy, slander? That lets a surprising amount of those things into my life, straight to me, all the time. It could be that. It could be a weekly phone call that you have with a friend. It could be that moment you're sat in the staff room and you're arrogantly chatting about something or you're slandering somebody else, another colleague who's in there with you. What are these things? What are the avenues? What are the roots to your heart where you're like, man, I need to put guard up? Instagram? For me, recently, I've started to think, what am I doing? It's ironic, this week Facebook's blocked my account because I've been hacked and now I can't get back on it, which I'm kind of loving, actually. Um, But Instagram, I've been really thinking about, like, I've got to think practically and spiritually about this stuff. Why am I going on social media all the time? Spiritually, over here, I'm like, man, this is just not helpful. I'm starting to find I'm comparing all the time all the time, all I'm doing, I'm not looking through, I'm looking through thinking, oh, they've been up to that. Oh, if only I had a job with more income, then I would do that. Hello, greed. <laughs> Hello, comparison. Hello, envy. And then a woman pops up wearing not a lot on there. Hello, sexual immorality. It's like, man, this stuff is just coming at us, and it's just in front of my face on a tiny screen. So easy. So I have to go back with this spiritual application from Solomon. I'm like, God, I need to deal with this. Show me what's in my heart. Like Tim said last week, search me. It's hard work. Search me, God. Show me what is in my heart. And then practically, what am I going to do? I've put a timer on Instagram, 15 minutes a day. I've got a well-being app on my phone. 
was already on there. I've capped myself to 15 minutes, and what have I found? I found I now spend less time than that. I'm just less interested in it, because I'm realizing what's going on. I'm on the cusp of getting rid of it. I'm not telling you the right or wrong thing to do. Some people can engage with that stuff phenomenally and use it as a platform for God. I want to get to that point, but I'm not there yet, so at the moment I need to deal with it where I'm at. I need to think practically, and I need to think spiritually. So as I ask the the band to come back up, I want to, to just help us think about one other thing as we combat guarding our hearts. And I know I've raved about defense, but sometimes the best, fence, uh, best form of defense is to go on the offensive. And I want to draw on something from Philippians to just help guide us as we think about those channels where greed, envy, slander, malice, all those things are coming into our hearts. I want to just end on this. The first thing I want to say is that God is gracious and he will help us. It says in Philippians 4, 7, um, and the grace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Before that, it's talked about bringing everything to him in prayers and petitions. So if we're doing this spiritual work, God is on our side. He will help us. But we need to be doing some work as well and taking this to him. This isn't just self-help. This is taking it before our Jesus Christ, our Savior, our God and our Savior, and he will absolutely help us. But let me just also think about what we're meditating on. Are we putting good stuff into our hearts to help guard it? And can we hold other stuff up as a filter for stuff to come through? Think about that channel. You know, I said that channel for me. I was talking about Instagram How's stuff coming at you at the moment? Hold this filter up to it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, fake news on your newsfeed, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Could we be a people who think about such things? Could we be a people who take a proactive step to guard our hearts from the things that come at us so that we can move to become more and more like Jesus Christ? Let's think about such things and let's use this time as a time to respond and to praise and worship him.